Welcome dear listeners to a very special episode of the Attune Project podcast. I'm your host Sana Batul and today we have a truly inspiring conversation in store for you. So today we are we are joined by Anna Manki Williams. Um thank you Anna for joining us today. Um Anna could you share with our audience your role and involvement in the June project. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Sana. So um, my name's Anna Mankey Williams. I'm an Associate Professor of Art and Health um, within Falmouth University. And I have two roles on the project, on the June project. One is as um, a Work Package 1 lead. So Work Package 1 is where we're using creative practices and arts-based research to surface the unseen and the unheard impact of adverse childhood experiences on mental health of adolescents. And the other role has an oversight role across the whole project, working very closely with the two co-PIs, which is Professor Kambui and Professor Eunice Ma. Um, so I work very closely with them across all six work packages, supporting the various different elements of co-design, lived experience, um, specialist technical uh, support where it's needed. Thank you, Anna. I'm very fascinated by the whole research project, especially how art and psychology are combined. But I'm curious to know what unique or unexpected insights have you gained from using art-based practices in the Tune project that, that maybe conventional research methods may not have uncovered? So I think the first thing is that the creative, slightly softer approach is definitely very much appreciated by young people who are experiencing and have experienced adverse childhood experiences and the relationship building is actually quite swift when you use this methodology which I think in this case uh, when you're trying to enable the surfacing of the unseen and the unheard the relationship is incredibly important and not to be dismissed lightly. So the other thing in terms of the insight that has come out of the work that the creative practitioners has done is about some of the findings or some of the narratives that have been coming out from the artwork themselves is about the, I realise that you're aware of this, the importance of the repeated invalidation as an ace. And I'm not sure that we would have got that from any other kind of medically-based, science-based or linear-based questionnaire. So I think that the art, the creative practice and the art portfolio that they have created, it very, very clearly says in an alternative way that that is really important and it's the reaction of others to them that far outstrips in importance anything else that they are experiencing and that does make you stop and think and I, again I'm not necessarily sure absolutely sure that we would have completely understood that in a different methodology okay interesting um that is indeed so Anna can you share a particularly memorable or moving example of a young person who experienced transformative journey through their involvement in, in a June project. So I particularly am reminded of the participant from the LGBTQIA community, the young persons community in Cornwall, so in a rural area, and they participated in the dance art form. And originally when we went to them with, with the, the, the proposal around the dance art form, they were incredibly reluctant. And part of that is because of their lived experience as they described to us around body dysmorphia, 
lack of self-confidence, the emotional traumas of, you know, the, the societal expectations, the, again, the relationship or lack of relationships with others and understanding. And as those young people uh, engaged with our, our creative practitioners, practitioner in dance, mm -hmm. and as they evolved through what dance and what physical movement could demonstrate, they really moved from being limited in their ability to talk about their, their journey and their lived experiences into uh, becoming very, very confident to be able to describe those and to, ex to, to express those through dance. And when we took the film to them and to the broader group of the LGBTQIA community, mm -hmm. uh, they were in tears. They thought it was so powerful um, that they just were so happy, they were so confident, they were so absolutely bowled over by what they had created and uh, that they looked really amazingly cool, which is, uh, you know, um, some words that they used. And the transformation in those young people was incredible to see. Can you talk a little bit about that film? What was it about and what, what was the participation like? So it was really quite intense. And the creative practitioner uh, took them through. So she had a series of questions that she didn't ask them outright but that she translated into movement that could express yeah. how they felt about some of these questions. So they didn't necessarily know what it was, if you'd like, that they were being asked through dance and through the movement. And for example, the, the representation of safe space was really, really interesting in that they had tapes on, tape on the floor around, you know, feeling, both feeling boxed in, but also feeling, feeling safe. Yeah. And there, there was also a really crucial moment as they were exploring safe space without necessarily knowing they were exploring safe space, where that safe space became a physical touch of another person with a lived experience. And that physical touch was either very light, for example, hands, or it was an enveloping, um, a safe enveloping. And so just, just kind of watching how they progressed through that journey and their confidence as they grew and also the if you like, the surfacing of these very, very, very deep and powerful emotions, you could see that they started to really get the embodiment within their creation. That's very cool. Very interesting how they realize the power of their bodies and expression through the dance. And yeah, sure. I mean, so how do you see the integration of art and, and creativity as a means of empowering young people to take control of their mental health and well-being? So I think the bottom line for me is that everyone can engage in some kind of creativity. At the very simplest, all you need is a, a pencil and a piece of paper, right? It's not, it's, it's entirely inclusive. And I think that is really important because there is so much nowadays that is not inclusive for young people. And obviously, you know, there are there are there have been times recently where you know we've had to engage young people generally through technology. But it is it can be really, really simple. And when participating in the creative in the in the creative practice, mm -hmm. what becomes apparent is that the mind is calmed. It becomes a very deep experience, and it's almost and this you know there will be better words for this, Anna, but it's almost yeah. set free. And I think that that is really important. And as you set the mind free, as you calm the mind, then you set it free. That's when the deep experiences can surface, which are very powerful and empowering. And that's when I think young people become curious, you know, and um, that curiosity about what the art form 
can not only not only through the art form that they can receive in terms of uh, facilitating good mental health but also what they can give in terms of enabling other people to understand mental health um so that giving and receiving i think is really important as well okay okay so if we like in terms of art-based approaches if we talk about you know their effectiveness what in your opinion what is the most exciting or promising aspect of art-based approaches in the context of young people's mental health and how might it influence the future of mental health care for this i think what's really interesting to me because obviously i've got a, a health background is that currently clinical pathways for diagnostics do not include any form of art-based or creative practice to enable the diagnostic the diagnosis to happen and therefore what you get is a very black and white linear survey questioning type approach and i think if i'm completely honest i think it misses a massive part if you just do that of a young person's life so you don't necessarily completely get the whole picture around the mechanisms that have created whatever it is the young people are experiencing in terms of mental ill health. And so in that case, if you don't have that comprehensive picture, you cannot possibly, with the young person, develop a comprehensive therapeutic pathway, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I might not be answering your question here, but for me, it is that very, I think we're at a, a critical crossroads in terms of mental health for young people. So that's not only within society, so those more generalised social determinants of health, but also within that more more confined health uh, health kind of mindset. And we kind of need to choose the right path now. Um, and I don't really see why we wouldn't encompass and embrace art and creative approaches within that both diagnostic and both that therapeutic sort of um, element both in the health and the wider social educational sectors. Anna, you have touched a bit on that, but I would specifically would like to know as you delve into this field, have there been any like surprising challenges or obstacles you have encountered when applying art-based practices to understand and improving young people's mental health? Well, one of the first challenges is um, some young people are reluctant to engage in creative practice. I'm not sure I completely understand why. I'm not sure any of us completely understand why. And there is a question about whether or not because we have designed out play and bearing in mind I'm only talking about this country because we've designed out play and we've designed out opportunities to be creative is it something that is increasingly unknown for them so that was a challenge and then for example with dance there was a degree of there was a, an extra degree of reluctance again potentially because of the exposure around your physical form um and you know the question about what can dance offer me you know so there's something there so in terms of the challenge the, the sort of overcoming some of the challenges it's always been about relationships and that relational interaction and what i would say about optimizing greater practice within research you have to give that time up. You have to know you can't go straight in, ask ask them a load of questions and expect anything that's useful back out. So, and in terms of the other part of your question was about what facility... How to overcome those challenges. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would absolutely go in terms of my first priority around allowing time for the relationships mm -hmm. to build. So if we talk about, uh, you know, art-based practices, we are talking about, you know, 
how it has helped young individuals. Could you also elaborate on how uh, the art-based practices in the Tune project have helped create a sense of community and support among young participants? And what does what role does peer interaction play in this process? I think the peer interaction is crucial. And what I've seen is that you have a number of young people who come together because they're interested in either the art form or they're interested because they have lived experience of mental ill health. And when, so for, I'm thinking particularly of the animation group who didn't, they were all in HE, but they didn't know each other before they came together. And having that common, having that common talking point or common ground about, I'm particularly interested in animation or I'm particularly interested because I have mental ill health. And in that case, without realizing it, every single young person, and there's nine young people that participated in that particular group, were part of the LGBTQIA community. But they didn't know that, and we didn't know that. So the peer community and the development of those relationships outside of a classroom outside of anything that's expected of them, you know, like a patient infant, a patient group or anything like that. They come as themselves. And I think that that is really important. So it's absolutely crucial about the peer interaction uh, in terms of not only success for themselves, and to this day, those uh, young people that have participated in animation are, I believe, still in contact. So I think that's really positive. And certainly those young people who are neurodiverse and participated in Kent around art-based collage and that kind of art-based creative practice, they are definitely still in contact. And again, they were a disparate group. They came together because they had experienced mental health and they were neurodiverse. So it's almost as if, and this is not research-based, mm -hmm. if you come together for two with two interest areas, you somehow meld and you get a fusion uh, going on that becomes, it's not forced. Right. Um, and then you just talked about, you know, dance, animation. And can you highlight any specific artistic mediums or techniques that have proven to be particularly effective in helping young people express themselves um, also uh, navigate their emotions within the project? Yeah, so I'm going to focus on, I think, photography and film, but particularly photography. So we use photography with three groups. One was a group of young carers, and they were of the younger age group, and most of them were under 16, and in uh, in a, an 11 to 16-year-old school and in a youth group. And the photography, not only the taking of pictures, but the actual explanation of how to take a, a picture and how to use the Instax camera, so it wasn't just and just go take pictures. It yeah. was about being thoughtful and reflective and understanding the camera as a part of yourself. And so the photographer, and, and then, then having the absolute power of sifting through all of the photographs that they took and describing then either in words or non-words, it didn't matter, yeah. which photographs were the most important to them and then putting those in a scene so that they had a lasting record for themselves of not only beautiful photography and I have to say there wasn't one young person who didn't produce an amazing photograph so not only of the beautiful photography but to have it in a lasting uh, sort of portfolio was really good and then for all of those groups there was a corresponding film made not quite all of the groups actually but a corresponding film made and of course the excitement of film so of all of the art forms that we use film was the most exciting for them mm -hmm. right 
you know, because they kind of think think of Disney and, you know, whatever else, Marvel. And again, the filmmakers, they, they, they became filmmakers in their own right. So this is, again, not about adults or a research project doing something to you, which is what happens when you take a survey, right? Yeah. We are doing that to you. This is about you become a peer researcher. You become a co-creator, right? And that is a really nuanced dynamic within the relationship. You are giving up power. You're giving agency to these young people so that they can explore and develop their own. And also then making sure that they they are, they are have within their grasp that technical understanding as well. That's when you really, you know, it's not just I'm giving you a camera and you have agency. It's about you're going to understand how that works. But it's very subtle and it's very nuanced, but I think it's very effective. So now, just to wrap it up, what does the future look like for the Gion project and the broader field of research utilizing art in the context of young people's mental health? So I think the future looks very bright. I don't think it's without its challenges because we're absolutely operating in an interdisciplinary space. And I think that is significantly challenging for research from researchers with both backgrounds, both the science background and the art-based background. And then when you bring community into that and potentially business into that, actually, it's it's a difficult space to operate in. But I think the power where you bring people together and art-based research has an equality of voice, an equality of robustness about the insight that you're creating, yeah. and also has the ability to really drive the understanding of what the participation in the creative practice can deliver. I think that we have an amazing potential to have a much better, deeper, more comprehensive understanding of the question that we're asking, regardless of what that is. So I think it's very exciting. I think it's challenging. It is a little bit scary for some people, and it can be very difficult sometimes and challenging when you're looking at sort of research funding and proposals to say, well, what would art do in this space? well, hey, here is what art will do in this space. Um, and you have to be articulate about that. Yeah, that. yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Anna, for the wonderful insights, very useful insights on Achoon and adverse uh, childhood experiences. I think it will be very, very useful for our audience. And I mean, your input has truly enhanced our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining. You're Thank welcome. You.